This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome to the Oncology Knowledge into Practice podcast, in which we discuss game-changing topics in clinical oncology with leading experts in the field. In this series, we're considering best practice in the management of cancers of the thyroid gland. This series is accredited, so if you would like to receive CME credits, be sure to listen via our website at oncology.knowledgeintopractice.com. If you're listening on another platform, you'll find a link in the episode notes. This episode is supported by an educational grant from Eli Lilly, who have had no influence on the content or the choice of faculty. I am your host, Daniel Ward. In today's episode, we will continue our discussion on strategies for multidisciplinary communication that enable effective collaboration in the management of patients with thyroid cancer. To get an insight into synergistic working from the perspectives of an oncologist and an endocrinologist, we welcome the expertise of consultant clinical oncologist, Dr. Claire Arthur, from the Christie NHS Foundation Trust in Manchester, UK, and oncologic endocrinologist, Dr. Sarima Augusto Salgado, from the Moffitt Cancer Center in Florida, USA. Before we jump into the discussion, we'll spend a few minutes covering recent developments in this area. If you're already familiar with this, please feel free to skip ahead to the interview at the three minutes mark. The management of thyroid cancer necessarily requires input from both oncologists and endocrinologists. The evolving number of systemic therapies and precision medicine approaches available for the treatment of advanced thyroid cancer renders oncologic expertise integral to the management of these patients. The communication process between departments, however, is often impaired, with barriers and disruptions to communication leading to suboptimal and incompletely informed or delayed management decisions and to poor physician and patient satisfaction. Some hospitals have introduced transdisciplinary physicians, programs, and departments to combat these challenges. Endocrinology programs at Moffitt Cancer Center and Boston Children's Hospital offer specialized treatment for those with cancers of the endocrine organs. Meanwhile, Duke University Hospital Department of Medicine's Endo-Oncology Program and the Center for Onco-Endocrinology at Brigham and Women's Hospital offer integrated care for patients with endocrine cancer, as well as those with cancer or cancer treatment-related endocrine disorders. Having covered some of the challenges surrounding the integration of endocrinology and oncology care for patients with thyroid cancer, Let's discuss this in the context of real-world clinical practice with our experts, Dr. Arthur and Dr. Agosto Salgado. So, Dr. Arthur, in your clinical practice in the UK, when do patients with thyroid cancer see endocrinologists and when do they see oncologists? How do you work together? So the typical pathway would be for a a patient um, to be discussed in our thyroid multidisciplinary team meeting by the surgeon following their their thyroid cancer surgery. Of course, we would have discussed them preoperatively as well. But at the point, there's a decision made that they require further oncological treatment uh, or, or oncological surveillance. There would then be a discussion with regards to a referral to an oncologist for consideration of adjuvant treatment. We've got to remember the very uh, wide variation in thyroid cancer patients that we see. So the majority of our practice would be the differentiated thyroid cancer patients. And that's obviously a very different follow up uh, to our patients with medullary or anaplastic thyroid cancer. They're they're very separate clinical entities and they they require very separate follow up pathways. Our endocrinologists are most... uh, 
are typically involved at the point that uh, we've got difficulties with post-op hypocalcemia, um, particularly thinking about those patients that are about to start a low iodine diet prior to radioiodine ablation. That's where um, endocrinology input with regards to calcium replacement can be really helpful. Uh, and then thinking about the levothyroxine replacement therapy. I mean, typically that would be initiated by a surgeon and overseen by the oncologist who would determine the target TSH. And we tend to really only refer to the endocrinologists for advice about levothyroxine if we're having challenges with uh, achieving those target TSHs and maintaining the, the free T4 within the, the reference range. And Dr. Augusto Salgado, is that the same in your practice? Yeah, so um, in our institution, there's um, multiple similarities to what Dr. Arthur um, is mentioning. Um, I think um, speaking a little bit more uh, at a national level in the U.S., historically, endocrinologists see patients with a differentiated thyroid cancer early on in their diagnosis, um, either due to thyroid nodule referrals whose workup ended up in a diagnosis of thyroid cancer, and then following those patients um, long-term post-op for thyroid hormone suppression therapy specific targets and selective use of radioactive iodine um, and post-operative surveillance based on what we call the dynamic risk stratification based on their pathology report uh, post-aparoglobulin levels and many times um, majority of patients actually stay uh, within the uh, realm of um, endocrinologists um, also um, with um, my experience, oncology has been historically then involved um, in differentiated thyroid cancer when there's identification of REI refractory uh, disease. Obviously, in cases of anaplastic thyroid cancer, in oncology, it's involved early on. Um, and medullary thyroid cancer, maybe a little bit more variable. Um, if endocrinologists see rising calcitonin CEA markers, they might involve oncology earlier on. Um, actually, one of the reasons I formally trained um, in oncologic endocrinology was not only to be able to prescribe the systemic therapies for the more advanced cases, but actually to try to bridge that gap between endocrinology and um, in oncology and be able to um, provide a continuing of care, especially for those intermediate high-risk cases that might need more close surveillance um, and eventually systemic therapy. Thank you. Do you feel that the integration of precision medicine and targeted therapies has changed the roles of or the required interaction between oncologists and endocrinologists? Thank you. Um, absolutely. Um, the evolving landscape of uh, systemic therapies initially coming from the general multikinase inhibitors um, and eventually the recent FDA approvals for um, more gene-specific therapies, including the RET inhibitors for both advanced RET medullary thyroid cancer and RET fusion-driven differentiated thyroid cancers, um, as well as other uh, targeted therapies for NTRAC fusions, OCK, um, fusions, um, and BRAF-MEC inhibition, who has definitely changed the treatment landscape of anaplastic thyroid cancer. And recently in the U.S. had um, an agnostic approval for um, solid tumors after they have uh, failed a first line of therapy. Um, we notice um, more and more that these targeted gene-specific therapies might be um, slightly more tolerated than the general multikinase inhibitors, which still have a very um, important and um, need in the in these treatment landscapes. But as we have therapies that are 
having profound responses with good tolerability, that has triggered early referrals for oncologic endocrinologists and medical oncologists to evaluate for the patients on systemic therapy early on. And I do foresee that that will likely prevail as eventually clinical trials hopefully lead for official approvals of redifferentiation and neoadjuvant approaches. Yeah, so I think the the, the management of, of metastatic thyroid cancers is, is quite different in the UK, where the care is predominantly led by, by an oncologist. Um, and yes, we do try and interact with our endocrinology colleagues quite closely, but these are treatments that are prescribed and, and overseen by the by the oncology teams rather than endocrinologists. Certainly in my practice. I think one of the things I'm particularly aware of is the need to avoid duplication between the different differing specialties and the need for us to coordinate our care. These patients that are starting these targeted therapies are often in clinic for weekly or fortnightly reviews, and particularly when the treatment is being initiated, we're monitoring for early toxicities. So to add in extra endocrinology reviews potentially means a patient having additional hospital appointments. So we will sometimes um, ask for virtual advice from our uh, endocrinology colleagues. We'll perhaps share blood results and ask them to virtually review those and offer us advice with regards to uh, thyroid function, calcium levels, for example. Uh, in our practice, uh, however, one of the, the big patient groups that we have referred to our uh, endocrinologists are those patients with bone metastases that require denosumab. Uh, and actually the, the very careful monitoring of, of the calcium levels and the, and the timing and repeated treatments of denosumab actually uh, lends itself very well to our endocrinology department where they have a, a day unit where patients can come up have their bloods checked and then go ahead and, and, and have their treatment administered so I think the, the 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 management of thyroid patients with bone metastases you know perhaps lends itself very well to, to ongoing endocrinology care uh, alongside the input from the oncology team overseeing their other a targeted therapy treatment. What strategies have you implemented in your practices for effective communication between endocrinologists and oncologists? Yeah, so at an institutional um, level, um, to uh, as strategies to facilitate the communication, not only between um, endocrine um, oncologists and medical oncologists and obviously other specialties, we do have a weekly tumor board that involves uh, surgery, nuclear medicine, radiation oncology, um, also pathologists, interventional radiologists, um, the other endocrinologists um, in the group, myself as an oncologic endocrinologist and medical oncologist. Um, personally, I have been very actively in the community to um, raising awareness to local providers on the latest trends in thyroid cancer management and even to primary care physicians to assist on the guidance for appropriate referrals. Um, Overall, um, in the United States, most endocrinologists do not prescribe systemic therapy. I formally train in an um, oncologic endocrinology fellowship to become um, an expert and certified in the management of these targeted therapies. And myself being involved um, afterwards sort of uh, to pass this training on to um, hematology oncology fellows to have that also perspective in, in oncologic endocrinology and also to um, 
endocrine fellows, as well as um, our uh, program will um, also be opening a formal um, endocrine oncology fellowship. Um, I think it's also a way that uh, to hope that the future generation will work together and improve the care um, of these patients. Um, for patients that um, coming from uh, outside our institution, um, you know, being available to our local team, a lot of the times I have patients that come in specifically seeking a, an expertise and they live uh, far out or have a shared residency between uh, two states. So definitely partnering with uh, a local general medical colleges as I'm prescribing the systemic therapy, but for safety, as Dr. Arthur mentioned, we follow very closely labs and, and for side effects and partnering with with that local team has to pass a very um, important relationship for that co-management. Um, we also provide a telemedicine um, consultation for those um, patients that have a local care team and that are looking for, um, for an additional uh, perspective from a specialized multidisciplinary team. What barriers have you encountered in ensuring multidisciplinary communication in the management of patients with thyroid cancer? I think the only thing worth that, worth um, adding from my perspective is the logistics about uh, working across multiple different centres. So uh, I'm based in a, a, ter a tertiary oncology centre receiving referrals from a very large geographical distribution. And understandably, patients often will choose to have their endocrinology follow up closer to home. That has huge advantages for the patient, but it can make communication a little bit more tricky between teams, having access to blood results on different um, laboratory systems, uh, you know, relying on MDT meetings. Uh, so I think the coordination of care across multiple different hospital sites uh, and multiple different referring centres is, is one barrier. But, you know, perhaps that has been one of the, the, the silver linings of this pandemic is that our, our use of of uh, virtual consultations, virtual NDT meetings uh, has really developed uh, and actually we're increasingly using different online platforms, uh, different um, uh, patient electronic portals to, to share that information. And that certainly helps to minimise the, the duplication of follow-up that I was referring to earlier. We've got to think about the patient and the multitude of appointments that they're having to attend, and particularly in the metastatic setting. If we can arrange bloods closer to home uh, so they're not having to travel to a tertiary centre to have their calcium or thyroid function rechecked, then you know, that potentially offers huge advantages to the patient. I agree with Dr. Um, Arthur's uh, comments. Um, definitely the different in, in electronic medical record systems at, at varying practices and especially for uh, for patients that um, that have their care between a, a tertiary or a large specialized centers uh, as Moffitt and then a local care team. Um, it's uh, it's definitely um, uh, a barrier that we, you know, every day try to overcome with different um, measures. We do have dedicated staff that um, help us obtain those records. I usually empower to my patients that um, as I'm ordering um, a labs to be done closer to home, if they're not 
completely integrated to the medical to our medical system to definitely let me know when they're when they have the lab so that we can obtain those results um, rapidly as well as our institution um, has what we call first connect calls um, so when a patient is referred as a new patient to our system um, a healthcare um, provider contacts uh, the patient and obtains a brief history um, of what has been done so far so that we can a ensure that we have all the records and images needed for for the visit to be meaningful, um, as well as um, ensure if there's early on another specialist that needs to be involved, whether a surgeon or a radi um, radiation oncologist. Um, we also to minimize the trips to um, our institution if the patients you know, live far and they have metastatic disease. Um, we have multidisciplinary uh, clinics. We try to accommodate the patients on the same day and also um, maximize the use of telemedicine, which um, has been um, as Dr. Arthur said, you know, the silver lining of, you know, being able to uh, see patients, you know, sooner for uh, any toxicities uh, for the targeted therapies. And, um, and I hope that um, that telemedicine, you know, continues as a long-term tool um, in oncology care. And finally, what is your key takeaway for those struggling with multidisciplinary collaboration in the management of patients with advanced thyroid cancer? Um, Definitely that advanced thyroid cancer, whether we're dealing with REI refractory differentiated thyroid cancer, um, anaplastic thyroid cancer, or medullary thyroid cancer, these are all rare tumors. And while we have um, come um, long ways in having um, approvals for these therapies, um, these patients truly benefit from multidisciplinary patient-centered approach and early referrals to a specialized care team. Um, it's highly valuable um, as it can lead to implementation of novel approaches, um, hopefully more enrollment in clinical trials as that's what actually has uh, led us to where we are today. Um, and really um, partnering with, um, with tertiary and specialized care centers. It does not mean losing the patient. Many times we will still need to partner with a local oncologist as we are um, in, in different locations or may or the patients may live at quite a distance from, uh, from these centers and trying to maximize the, the utilization of technology, whether to consultation with the specialized center via telemedicine, um, having a multidisciplinary uh, meetings um, across specialties, um, and even um, never hesitating reaching out to um, an, an oncologic endocrinology specialist like, like myself or a medical oncologist is highly focusing thyroid cancer as we um, know that um, these patients benefit uh, from, um, from our expertise and it's never a bother to speak with, uh, with a physician that has a question um, of, to improve the care of our patients. So the, at the end of the day, we're here for our patients. I would say very similar to Dr. Augusto Salgado, the patient has to be at the centre of this pathway. Uh, and we have numerous guidelines, numerous pathways that make protocols seem very black and white. 
but inevitably the patients haven't read the protocols and guidelines. They all come with their, their own challenges, with their own preferences. And no matter what the guideline may say, the patient is likely to have an opinion. Uh, their, their choice of treatment is going to be influenced not just by the medical literature, but by their personal background, their family circumstances, concerns about impact on quality of life by the treatment and, and the monitoring. So we must keep the patient at the centre of our multidisciplinary discussions. Uh, certainly in our practice, our specialist nurse is absolutely key in bringing everybody together. So she, uh, he or she uh, is, is there primarily to support the patient, but inevitably ends up bringing the rest of the team together. So I would really encourage teams to, to utilise the skills of, the, of a specialist nurse to, to help that collaboration. I think where possible, it is important to, to use national or international guidelines as the foundations for your patient care. Uh, so, for example, in the UK, we've got the, the British Thyroid Association. I know the American Thyroid Association have similar guidance, but to use that foundation, which certainly in our UK guidance frequently refers to personalised decision making. So it does acknowledge the grey areas whereby the patients may the patient themselves may well determine their treatment outcome. Uh, but I think at least to have a, a guideline that we can all follow in different centres does ensure that we're all following uh, similar pathways. And then I think the final thing to say really is that we all focus on the clinical care, but I think as a multidisciplinary team, we also need to focus on maintaining our um, working relationships and our skills and you know certainly within our MDT educational updates together educational away days learning from each other reflecting on cases uh, talking about uh, how we want to advance our practices or redesign our protocols is actually really key and particularly in the COVID pandemic where we have moved to telemedicine uh, where virtual meetings have lots of advantages but actually coming together and seeing each other face-to-face -face educational updates certainly in the last few months has been really refreshing to maintain those professional relationships uh, alongside all the, the formal discussions about building pathways and, and clinical care. This brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you for joining us for this informative discussion. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast on your favourite app and recommend us to your colleagues. To collect your CME credits, visit oncology.knowledgeintopractice.com now. There, you can also find other episodes in this podcast series, as well as further free educational resources in oncology. You can find a link to this website in the episode notes, along with all the references discussed today. Thanks for listening to this episode. We look forward to welcoming you next time.